and welcome to Generic True Crime Podcast. I'm Nicole. And I'm Nicole, or Nick. Okay, welcome to episode one. Today we're going to be covering the Grime Sisters case. This is a story of an unsolved double murder mystery in Chicago. This takes place in late 1956 to early 1957. All right, so Barbara and Patricia Grimes were from the McKinley Park neighborhood in Chicago, which is the south side of Chicago. They were ages 12 and 15. Barbara was 15 and Patricia was 12. And on December 28, 1956, the girls went to go see the new Elvis Presley movie, Love Me Tender. Apparently, the girls were obsessed with Elvis and had already seen the movie 14 times. That's a little obsessive. (laughs) We'll do what we we want for, you know, our our booze. Yeah, I can't imagine seeing a movie for 14 times. Not at all. All right. So, apparently the girls had informed their mother that they were going to see the double feature and had promised to be back by midnight. Which I think is crazy. Like, I mean, maybe times were different back in the 50s, but... At age 12 or even 15, my my mom would not find that acceptable, be home by midnight. Yeah, I've never been given permission to stay out that late, well, at that age at least. Yeah, not at that age. Yeah, that's too young in my opinion. Isn't curfew like 11 o'clock, or was there no curfew back in the 50s? <laughs> there was probably no curfew. Those kids. I know. All right, so they had promised their mom they'd be home by midnight, but when midnight came, the girl's mother sent their older sister and brother to meet them at the bus stop. After three buses passed and no sign of the girls, they decided to come home, and by 2 a.m. their mother contacted the police. An investigation and search party began immediately with the help of police and local citizens. Also, the movie theater was in McKinley Park, which is right next door to um, Brighton Park, or not next, they're they're neighboring um, neighborhoods um, on the south side. So it's not like they're going from one part of the city to the other part of the city. No, they were pretty close by, I'd say. I'm not from Chicago. Our um, Chicago resident over here would know much more than I would. (laughs) I think they're neighboring neighborhoods to each other, yeah. Okay. All right, so yeah, a search party began immediately with the help of police and local citizens, and apparently this was a really big deal, and it gained a lot of attention, and apparently Elvis himself actually sent out a radio message to the girls saying, if you were good Presley fans, you'd come home and ease your mother's worries. The police initially thought that the girls had run off and gone to Nashville since, you know, they're big Elvis fans and there was just really no other clues. So they thought, you know, they just upped and left to go to Nashville, which I think, okay, like, that's kind of a a dumb uh, response. But I guess, you know, police, they want to sometimes just find an answer to close it. Yeah, well, apparently the girl's mom said that's just no way way that they would do that. I guess apparently they had just been gifted a new radio and apparently they wouldn't leave home without their radio according to the mom and um this family they um i don't know exactly their socioeconomic status but i do know that they were working class like like even the girl these girls who were 12 and 15 they did have jobs at a restaurant washing dishes so they were working family so they did value um you know things like that getting a new radio Mm mm-hmm So the last person to see them alive was a school friend of theirs named Dorothy Weinert. Dorothy reported that she had sat behind the girls in the theater and even saw them at the concession stand during intermission. She said it was around 9.30 when she saw them last and stated that nothing was out of the ordinary when seeing them.
Unfortunately, on January 22nd, um, their bodies were found on a deserted road in Willow Springs, which is about um, a half hour drive nowadays from those neighborhoods. Um, and their bodies are buried in, I'm going to butcher this name, Holy Sepultree Cemetery in Worth, Illinois. And that is actually where my mom's family is buried. So that was, um, I was like, oh, interesting. Um, little tidbit. Yeah, a little tidbit about my family that nobody asked for. <laughs> um, and one thing that I thought that was a little, in, you know, when I read this, I was just like, huh. Um, I read that this, the murder of the Grimes sisters is thought to have shattered the innocence of Chicago. When has Chicago ever been innocent? Maybe in the 1700s when Chicago wasn't even a city? Yeah, maybe, because that's bizarre to think of. I mean, H.H. H. Holmes, Al Capone. But I mean, this was a time where their mom was letting them come home at midnight, so. That's true. Probably a time where doors were left unlocked, too, for all we know. I do know people who still do that, which, don't do that. That's crazy. Don't do that. So I'm going to go over some of um, the potential suspects for this case. The first one, he has four names. His name is Edward Lee Bernie Bedwell. I'm going to call him Bedwell. Um, So he is a 21-year-old semi-literate drifter from East Garfield Park. He was living with his family, and they had kicked him out. I don't know exactly why. There was a big fight or... Who knows? But um, he was kicked out. Um, he had worked with the girls at that restaurant that they washed dishes at. Um, and apparently he bore a strong resemblance to Elvis Presley, you know, the girls' favorite favorite celebrity. Did he? Yes, apparently that's right. I wonder if the girls had a little crush on him. You know, they might have. I, you know, He's 21 and these girls are 15 and 12. But, you know, when you're, age, when you're that age, sometimes... 21 just doesn't seem that creepy but when you are 21 you're like ooh. yeah it's kind of creepy that is a little creepy um so like i said the sisters in bedwell all work together um at a restaurant in chicago um and the owners of that restaurant said that they saw bedwell with the two sisters or i'm sorry they saw bedwell with two girls who resembled the sisters on december 30th and they had called police and told them this information at first, Bedwell denied it and said the girls were someone else, two other girls that him and his friends were hanging out with. And then later on, he did sign a 14-page confession saying that he had hung out with the sisters. Sorry, did I turn my page? He had hung out with the sisters on um, December 30th and January 7th. He said that they had drank alcohol with the girls. And on um, January 7th, the last day that they hung out, he said that him and an acquaintance had fed the girls hot dogs before they beat the girls and threw their naked bodies in a ditch. Now, I'm not exactly sure, when he signed that confession, I'm not exactly sure if he was pressured or if he was interrogated for how long, or I did find that he was semi-literate, so maybe his education level wasn't, um, you know, maybe that was something that kind of... They coerced him into doing it? Yeah, that's the word I'm looking for. Yeah. Um, But this confession was thrown out when the autopsy on the girls revealed that no alcohol or hot dogs were in their systems. Um, And our next suspect, his name is Max Fleek. He is 17, and he at one point was the prime suspect due to age, which when I read that, I'm like, okay, he is close to the age of the girls. You know, he's 17 and they're 15 and 12, but... That would make you a prime suspect? Yeah, I didn't, like, huh. I, there's a lot of crimes where people are decades apart, you know, 
the victim and the suspect. Like, it's a weird reason. It is a weird reason. Um, so, and then at this time, um, Max Fleeg, he did take a polygraph test, and during that test, he admitted to the murders in his confession. And I don't know if this was used in court. I don't think polygraphs are um, used in court because, you know, they're not always... They're not 100%. They're not 100%. Like, some people have anxiety in general, or some people may have anxiety when it comes to court cases. So they're not really used in court cases, I think. I could be wrong. Um, but his um, that confession during his polygraph test, it was not used because there was no physical evidence. And um, he was not charged. And then we have our last suspect, which this guy is definitely um, the most interesting of the three. Um, his name is Walter Kranz. He is 53. He's a pipe fitter and a self-proclaimed psychic. <laughs> so um, he called Chicago's Central Police Complaint Room on January 15th. And during that day, he stated that the bodies of the girls could be found in an incorporated part of Lyons Township. So, on January 15th, that was almost a week before that they were discovered. So, you know, nobody still, nobody knew what had happened to them yet. Um, but when he called the police, he refused to disclose his identity or his location. But the police were able to trace his phone call, and they were able to trace it close to where the girls were found. Um, I think it was like about a mile apart from where the girls were found one week later. Yeah, so on January 22nd, just two weeks after the girls disappeared, a man named Leonard Scott was out driving where he spotted, and as he quoted, two flush-colored things. So, it's, um, apparently he thought they were mannequins. It's never a mannequin. Never a mannequin. So, people who don't live in um, the Chicagoland area, Willow Springs is... I would say it's a little bit more um, foresty than part of most of Chicago. I know people who, like, you know, maybe if you live in, like, Wyoming or something, you're like, oh, yeah, what do you Chicagoans know about forests? <laughs> but, you know, even today in 2021, when I'm driving through Willow Springs, it's a little, it's not as built up as everything else. And I'm imagining that's the case of how it was in the 50s. Mm-hmm. So it's never a man. Never a mannequin. That's right. All right, so instead of approaching the bodies, Leonard decided to go home first and bring his wife back with him to check out what was going on. That's when they discovered the naked bodies of Barbara and Patricia Grimes. Barbara was discovered lying face down and Patricia lying face up on top of Barbara. Police deduced that the girls had been there since the snowfall two weeks prior, and the autopsy concluded that they had been murdered within five hours of their last confirmed sighting and that both of the girls had died from secondary shock. And what exactly is secondary shock for people who don't exactly know? Good question. Let's look it up on my good friend Google. Google knows all. Google does know all. Primary shock, or collapse, refers to the condition in which a decline in the blood pressure and the appearance of the symptoms of shock are noted immediately following the injury. In secondary shock, the time interval separating the injury and the appearance of symptoms is usually an hour or more. I still don't know what that means, but that's what the Google says. Google knows all, guys. Yeah, so that's the story of the Grimes sisters. Um, so a little bit of afterwards, um, oh, so I, um, forgot to mention, but Kranz was ruled out because, um, 
Which one was Kranz? Kranz was the pipe fitter and self-proclaimed oh, psychic. the psychic. That's yeah. right. But he was ruled out because, uh, well, he just continuously denied any involvement, and they couldn't really find, um, couldn't find any evidence. Um, I do think, one, one funny thing about this, so when the police questioned Kranz, he stated that a lot of his family members had possessed psychic abilities. And he said that he had that the whole vision. family of psychics. I know, a whole family. Um, he said that he had that vision on January 15th after a night of heavy drinking. Um, Is that when his psychic abilities come to play? Maybe. I mean, a lot of us do and say a lot of stupid shit after a night of heavy drinking. So That's when my psychic abilities come out. That's when, I don't know what abilities I have, but whatever <laughs> abilities I have, they come out after a night of heavy drinking. It's always after a night of heavy drinking. Yes. Um, and also, um, this this happened in May of 1957, but Loretta Grimes, the mother to the girls, she, um, for a very long time, she had received a lot of hoax phone calls, which is kind of fucked up. Oh, really? Like, yeah. Like, like two of your daughters up. were murdered, and people, I mean, I don't, I didn't find any, um, anything written about, like, any anything about the hoax phone calls. Were they from the same person? Were they from, like... Multiple people? Yeah, multiple people. I couldn't find anything about that. But in May of 1957, the mother had received one specific phone call that she always remembered. And she said that this person had claimed to have um, undressed and killed the girls. And he had said that um, he knew a specific detail about the girls that even the police didn't know. And that um, that fact was that the smallest girl, her her toes were crossed at the feet, so I think that means like they were kind of like overlapping. That's what I think. And the police didn't. At least there was no record of that happening. Um, with the police. And when this individual had said that fact, they laughed and hung up. Wow, that's fucked up. Yeah. That was probably the guy. That that's what the mom. The mom says that she believes that whoever killed her daughters is the person who called that day and had that weird fact. She says that she knew her daughters, um, also she said that she knew her daughters would not go into, like, a car of a random person. Like, the night they disappeared, it was, she said it was bitterly cold, which, you know, it's in, like, December in Chicago. It gets pretty damn cold, but she's, but the mom said that the girls would not go into someone's car unless they knew them. So she said it had to be somebody that the girls knew, and she believes that the person who called her is, is the one who, um, who killed them. But, wow. like, that ident- like, their identity has never been found. I don't know. It's, like, phone tracing. I don't know. Except, like, why didn't... I don't know if the phone call was short enough, so they didn't couldn't trace it. Yeah, I think it has to be a certain time. Yeah, so, I mean... Wow, that's fucked up. That is pretty fucked up. And that's what a bastard. the story of the Grimes sister murder. It's still unsolved to this day. Mm-hmm. All right, that's all I got. You got anything else? I got nothing else. All right, so that was our first episode. Um, Please give us some feedback yeah. if you know us. Um, yeah, I don't know. That's all I got. <laughs> That's all I got, too. All right, bye. Bye.